0: Alrighty, righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So super excited about the founder that we have today joining us. We're going to be talking a lot about building, scaling, financing, exiting. I mean, all the good stuff that we like to hear. But oh, my God, this founder has done it and has done it for quite some time. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today. His name is Mans Harmon. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: So originally from the deep south, Mississippi. So uh so how was life growing up? Give us a little of a walk through memory lane.
1: Well, you know, uh it was always very rural and very simple. Uh, my parents were, were come from modest means. My father is a minister and my mother is a nurse. And so uh we we always lived in tiny towns and and I didn't really understand that we didn't have much money <laughs> you know when you grow up in it that's just the way things are and in retrospect when I look back on it I understand the sacrifices that they made for me and my brother there're two of us and uh and then I bootstrapped I bootstrapped out of rural Mississippi by using the military the air force so I graduated high school and had no opportunity for college I enlisted in the air force with the intent of going to school, ultimately getting them to pay for college. Two years in the Air Force, they decided to send me to college. Fortunately, and I, I went to school back in Mississippi. And two, four years later, after getting a comp sci degree, I was able to be commissioned an officer in the Air Force. And then they sent me to work, which was which was fun. You know, I, I got to finally achieve the dream. Of uh, being a computer scientist and, and pursuing tech, the way I'd always dreamt about. Actually, there's one interesting part of that story. My first computer uh, I got in the sixth grade. This gives you a sense of of, of what we're talking about here is uh, you know growing up years. In the sixth grade, the way I was able to buy it, it was an old TI ninety nine four A. Back in the days of the Commodore pets and the, you know the pre Apple. Days, and we had a garage sale that my mother helped help put together, and just through the garage sale we raised a hundred dollars to go and buy my first computer. So that's how it all got started, and then the military educated me, and and they sent me to 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 do work in a, a laboratory subsequently.
0: That's amazing, and I know that during this time is where you also met uh, Lehman Baird. So why was he? Uh that connection there is so impactful?
1: Yeah. Well, so in 1993, uh, I got commissioned a, a second lieutenant in the Air Force, and I got sent to do research at Wright Labs, which is the largest Air Force laboratory. And I went to work ultimately for the senior executive in the military for machine learning or artificial intelligence. That's where I met Lehman. Lehman Baird and I have been working together since 1993 uh, in lots of different capacities persist to, to this day. And it's just been a, a great sort of symbiotic relationship. I quickly learned that I would never be Lehman's equal when it comes to the tech, although I, I'm proficient enough that I can appreciate the beauty of, of, of the science. Uh, Lehman does all the hard work. And I focused on business and um, Lehman takes care of solving the hard problems and, and doing the innovation and solving the, you know, creating the, the new products. And I take care of taking those products and, and growing the businesses, taking them to the market and everything else, raising the money, et cetera. So the, the two of us combined make a great team. And we've been working together now for, well, almost 30 years.
0: My God, quite the marriage, quite the marriage.
1: Yeah, it's all That's true.
0: (laughs) In this this case, for you, it didn't take any, you know, much longer uh, to become an entrepreneur. So tell us about venturing into the startup, you know, world. How was that?
1: Well, it was interesting. It was while still in the military. Um, The Air Force was good to me. Like I said, I did research in machine learning to start, then taught computer science at the Air Force Academy, cybersecurity and then managed a massive program for the Missile Defense Agency. Many of your your listeners might remember the movie War Games from the 1980s with Matthew Broderick, right? That was my program. I did the real thing. So I built the real thing for the Air Force, for the Missile Defense Agency. And while still in that role, Lehman and I decided we wanted to become entrepreneurs. And Uh, We had this great idea for building a decentralized identity solution. This is back in 1998, 1999 timeframe. Raised a small round of friends and family money, even while still in the military, $300,000. And then grew that on the side until I could leave the military a couple of years later. Continued to pursue that. And... Your uh, your listeners may also remember the old Palm devices. So the, the way this solution worked is that you would have a Palm Pilot or one of those old Trio devices, and all of your credentials would be on those devices. You would have your device. You would sign in on the device using handwriting recognition. So the biometric is handwriting recognition. Enter a password. That's what you know. The handwriting recognition is what you are. And then there is an embedded key. That's what you have. So it's three-factor authentication into the device. And then the device would log you into a computer. It it was an early uh, single sign-on solution, and it was decentralized, meaning that there was no single database for the enterprise of users. All of those credentials would be pushed out to the devices. Well, we approached Palm. Palm Source was the operating system back then and uh, pitched this idea. We told Palm, you should be selling into the enterprise market and this is your enterprise play. Use this software to build an enterprise grade identity solution and and now you're focused on enterprise in addition to retail. And that went fairly well, actually. Uh, at, At the end of the first pitch, I put together the initial pitch deck. I remember it very well. I was pitching to the VP of engineering at the end of the first pitch, he said something that uh, was new to me. He said, okay, I love this. Send me your terms. We're going to put it in the operating system. So, you know, we said, okay, hey, we're we're off to the races. We we are going to be in Palm Source and go in, you know, hundreds of thousands of devices. And then we did that. We pursued, we, we negotiated the terms of the deal. And it went to the executive council there at Palm Source, and then they went dark on us. And they were dark for, for three or four weeks, had no idea what happened. The guy that was leading BD on behalf of the, the VP of Engineering called me up, said he's left the company, but we're still interested. The, the, the champion, the executive champion, had left the company. We're still interested in doing this deal. Let's let's get it. Hey. I said, great. Let, Let's full steam ahead. Let's get it done. And then they went dark on me again. Several more weeks passed. The product manager calls me up. He says, the head of BD is no longer with the company. He's left, but we still want to do this deal. We want to get it in the OS. Let's, let's get the deal done. Said, great. I'm ready to sign. Send me the paperwork. Right. Then it went dark again and just no communication. Uh, eventually, the original executive sponsor, the guy that was negotiating the deal in the first place, called me from Symbol Technologies in San Jose. It turns out, Symbol at that time sold more PDAs than all the other PDA manufacturers combined. He said, "We want to just acquire you," and and so we did it. We did the deal. We sold to Symbol. It's now part of Motorola. And that was our first experience in entrepreneur. we never raised more than that $300,000. We were able to build the tech, uh, deliver it, integrate it, and deliver a, a, a decent return to the investors. And, and I consider that a win, given that, that it was our first experience commercially outside of military experience. We sort of dove headfirst, and, uh, and it worked out for us.
0: And first company, first exit. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment, man. What's the uh, what kind of visibility do you think that gave you into the full cycle of of a business?
1: Oh, I learned so much, right? I, I, I w- most importantly, I learned what I didn't know, right? It's it's one thing to n- not know something. It's a be- much better position to know that you don't know something, so that you know where at least to go look and and, and what to figure out. So uh, I, you know, I, I learned how business works. I learned the language of business. I, uh, I, I'm sure that we made a lot of mistakes along the way. In retrospect, there are things I would have done differently, but uh, it was just the educational experience was invaluable and we made a little bit of money, which was a big deal for somebody coming out of the military, right? Not very modest means in the military. And uh, it was, you know, it was a great experience.
0: Absolutely. Once an entrepreneur too, always an entrepreneur. So what happened next for you, Mance?
1: Well, we we moved to San Jose as a result of that deal from Colorado Springs. That's where I taught computer science and had been working for the Missile Defense Agency. And um didn't stay with Symbol very long. In fact, I, I decided you know, that was fun. Let's go do it again. I decided that in less than 18 months we decided that we wanted to move to Texas so we were one of the early early migrants from California to to Texas settled in Austin and started our second company which is was focused on really modernizing the building access control industry with data networks at the time it wasn't the case that access control like you know cards that you might use to get into building systems, those types of uh, video systems and, and access control systems they didn't use modern data networks they didn't use Wi-Fi they didn't use Ethernet so we built one of the very first companies that created those types of security solutions for uh, you know modern networks modern Wi-Fi networks I, I found a partner, Uh, that had owned the largest independent distributorship of that type of hardware in North America and decided, okay, I've got a channel. I've got the channel partner to start. Now I just need to build the product. And actually, I had the partner before we started the company. So we, we started the company. I built that to be a national company over the course of about six years And uh, learned a lot, learned a lot about two-tier distribution, learned a lot about sales channels and building out sales channels, while also developing some cool tech. Ultimately, ended up selling out to my partner who had a small equity fund, private equity fund that wanted to put a bunch of businesses together. And I decided it's time for me to go back mainstream into computer science. I felt like I was just getting too far removed from the core of the tech industry. And so we sold that in in 2011, December of 2011.
0: And man's quick question there. How is it different in this case? Because on the first go around, you know, with your company, essentially with with Trio Security, I mean, you sold that to a strategic player, right? In this case, you know, like with, with Blue Wave, you sold it to a financial player. So how is it different, you know, from an acquisition on the strategic side to an acquisition on the financial side like you went through with with Blue Wave?
1: Um, on the financial side, it was purely a financial play. In fact, I was doing it so that I would no longer have to participate. I no longer wanted to participate. Right? I, I felt like I had done what I could do or what I was interested in doing with the tech at that point. When we sold it to the strategic player, I I viewed it as an opportunity to get it embedded into an organization that could really take it to market on a large scale. I didn't stick around to realize that vision. It's not, you know, it's not the role that I wanted to play, but I wanted to see the tech itself, uh, you know, reach its potential. And so that, that was the difference between the two organizations. In uh, the two exits, I should say,
0: and one thing that one thing that is very interesting here for me is that, and I'm sure that for the listeners too, is that after you did you, you you finalized the the transaction with Blue Wave and it was time to turn page instead of building another company, you were you know helping you know someone else build their own dream, and I guess that you know. For example, with, with with ping identity, which was the immediate step, you know, for you to really, you know, bring your the rocket ship that you're in now. I mean, you were in this process of whether I stick around or or I go and and and, and launch my own thing. I guess two questions here. One, why did you go and work for somebody else after you had experienced entrepreneurship firsthand twice? And then two, why didn't you stick around and you thought, hey, now is my time to
1: shine? Yeah, that's a great question. When I joined Ping, I did it for several reasons. One, I was, I was friends with the founder, a guy named Andre Duran. Andre Duran has been very successful with Ping. He's grown it uh, you know, for now, what, 25 years, something on the order of 20, 25 years. And he is a serial entrepreneur as well. He actually started Jabber. Back in uh, you know the, the pre-ping days. He saw he, he started Jabber and sold it to Cisco. I love tech, but I also learned the value through those two first two experiences of really sort of taking a step back and making sure that whatever you're preparing to devote yourself to is the right thing, that you really know for certain. This is the play that I'm going to give the next five, maybe ten years of my life to, and so I, I was in a position to take some time and, and 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 not jump too quickly, right? Just to to be uh, measured in that decision about what it is I want to do next. Andre gave me the opportunity to have fun. I, I went and stood up the Labs organization for ping identity, and then also served as the lead architect for the work that they were doing there while taking uh, the, the, the opportunity to sit back and observe what's going on across the entire tech industry and, and look for the next opportunity. It was in that role that, de- during that role, I should say, that Lehman went to work on trying to solve a really hard problem, a hard math problem. And it's in the field of distributed consensus. So the whole crypto industry, by the way, is built on distributed consensus algorithms. And and that's what blockchain is. Blockchain is a distributed consensus algorithm. Lehman went to work in 2012 on trying to solve a really fundamentally hard problem in the field of distributed consensus. That problem specifically is how do you maximize the security of a network, a distributed consensus network? while simultaneously maximizing performance. There's always been this trade-off between security and performance of these types of, of systems. And, and it he started in 2012, had nothing to do with blockchain, right? It, it just was not informed. His work was not informed at all by what was going on in the, in the world of blockchain or Bitcoin. Back then, it wasn't even blockchain. It was just Bitcoin, right? The, the, that was it. and. And in twenty fifteen, he solved that problem. He cracked the nut, so to speak. He figured out the solution. It's a fundamental advance in the field of distributed consensus. He solved that problem, and today we call that hash graph. It's an alternative algorithm to blockchain at the same time um you know Bitcoin was becoming prominent, and bitcoin. Sort of made the market, if you will, for this new invention that Lehman had called hashgraph. I ping uh, from an identity perspective. We had an interest. Is there, are there any identity solutions that we can build based on blockchain, Bitcoin, blockchain in particular? I came to the conclusion: no, it's just not performant enough. And then Lehman solved the problem. He he solved the problem of, of performance. And security. So we decided, wow, uh, the timing of this is fantastic. If this is correct, then this is a billion dollar invention, right? We knew up front at the beginning the implications of what he had developed. We knew it from the very beginning. And, you know, and there you have it. There are these moments in time where you just feel an overwhelming compulsion to To do something because it, it everything is aligned. And, and that's what we discovered in 2015. Hey guys, so pardon the
0: interruption here. So I gotta tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard and already doing your business alone when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieverson to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a Series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid-cap type of um, a cycle. So, Again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at Alejandro at PanteraAdvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So obviously, you know, when you discover that, you know, eventually you started incubating this this thought of. Give me your notice at the same time you know they wanted to promote you, so I'm sure that uh, you know when you knew that you had a billion dollar you know baby you know in 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 the process, you probably you know thought it was an easy it was an easy answer to 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 where to go no so I guess you give your notice what happened next
1: yeah, well, actually, what happened is I put together the first pitch deck right so you know you have a new idea, you gotta go raise money uh to to build it and i put together the first pitch deck and i uh called up andre and said hey i i need to come see you i want to talk to you about an idea i i lived in dallas at the time or excuse me austin at the time and ping is in denver so i get on an airplane i fly to denver i get off the airplane before i could even get off the airplane i could see that my my schedule had been rearranged rather than going to see andre they said, We want you first to go see the chief marketing officer, guy named Brian Bill. And I I went to see Brian and he said, Mance, we we want you to take over product marketing for us. We, it's an important role. We're gonna give you a big raise, we're gonna give you a, you know, a, a boost in, in title and rank, et cetera, all of those things, equity. And I, you know, I thanked him. And uh said I need to consider it. And then I went to see Andre. Walked in the room. First thing out of Andre's mouth, Mance, we really value what you're doing for the company. I need you to take this job. We want you to head up product marketing. And I'm gonna give you all these things, right? I'm gonna give you a seat at the table and I'm going to give you a bonus and all these things. And so I knew then that I had a fundamental decision to make. Do I take the promotion and, uh, you know, take sort of the easy path and continue to climb the, the ladder. So, so to speak, or do I turn him down? Because I knew that once I show him this deck, it's going to become clear that I'm leaving and it's, it's tough, right? It's tough to, to uh, go back. And I decided that I had to show him the deck and I said, well, look, I appreciate that I'm going to give you this pitch. And then let's talk about it afterwards. So I get into the pitch. First pitch deck, first time I'm ever pitching. And 15 seconds into the pitch, Andre stops me. He says, Matt, stop. I want to get my camera or phone. I'm going to record this because it it sounds and feels a lot like it did when we first started talking about Jabber. And so he, he records my first pitch. And I have a copy of it. He sent me a copy of it. And um, at the end of it, he said, OK, can you do both jobs? I said, no, I can't. I've got to go pursue this. I'm all in on this. And he said, OK, come back in the morning. Uh, we want to invest. And, and, and then we, you know, we negotiated a deal and uh, simultaneously closed another round of funding from an investor on the front range. But Ping was one of the, one of the earliest investors in the project.
0: Wow. So I guess, say uh, for the people that are listening, you know, to uh, to really get it, what ended up, you know, being the um, the model here for the for the initiative, because obviously, you know, you guys have like different structures on how Hedera is uh, supported, on how you know is it has really been brought to life. But uh, for the people that are listening to get it, you know, what is it, and uh, what's yeah. the model behind it?
1: Yeah. Well, so w- we first started a a normal C corp called Swirls, and that's a mashup of shared worlds. That's what it stands for. The technology, Hashgraph, is just a consensus algorithm that has superior properties to first generation blockchain. And so we compete today in the same space as the other major platform providers like Ethereum, Insulana, and Algorand, and and others in, in that space. Uh, when we started it all, we knew that we were going to be, well, definitionally, we, we were centralized, but we decided let's create something that looks very different than the rest of the market. Um, we had the tech. We had fantastic performance in the tech in terms of speed and security and cost structure, but we also knew that equally important, if not more important, ultimately was the governance of this global network. And we wanted it to, to be decentralized. And we knew that the governance models of those early players, those early crypto platforms, just was not working very well for a lot of different reasons. So I, I read a book. Literally, I read a book by the founder of Visa, a guy named D-Hawk. And D-Hawk stood up Visa back when it was Bank AmeriCard. Before Visa was, was the brand, it was Bank AmeriCard. In the 1960s, and he wrote a book about that experience and all the travails that he went through and the governance model that they created. And we decided, let's let's adopt that and apply it here, because what we're doing is bringing together a bunch of independent entities, all that maybe are are competitive with one another in some fundamental ways, but we want to bring them together to build this ecosystem and this platform that everyone will benefit from. Today, what it looks like is a global organization of blue chip organizations. There are 28 today. They, they include some of the biggest companies in the world like Google and Boeing, Deutsche Telekom and Nomura and Standard Bank out of South Africa and Magazine Louisa. It's like the Amazon of Brazil and South America, FIS. You know they process fifty percent of the credit card transactions today. You know this caliber of organization, including academic institution, Univers- University College of London, London School of Economics, IIT uh, out of Madrid, and others. They we brought them together. We were able to convince them to join a Delaware-based LLC. So Hedera is a Delaware-based LLC and the members of the LLC are this global collection of organizations. They are Hedera and they govern Hedera in a a fundamental way. What what I mean by that is Hedera is a, a public network that makes it possible for developers to build applications on top of, just like a developer might use Amazon Web Services for normal applications, they use Adera for Web3 applications, except all of these companies I just mentioned are the ones that are running the nodes that the developers use when, you know, instead of AWS run by Amazon, it's Adara run by this collection of organizations. And they provide the governance. And, and there's nothing else like this in the crypto industry. We're, we're unique in the crypto industry, in the governance model. We definitionally started centralized, it was just me and Lehman, but we very quickly built up the organization, raised a lot of money uh, and and hired a lot of folks and then decentralized the governance in the way that I described. So we, we, we recruited these council members, we're 28 strong today, we're growing to 39. We decentralized governance. And then over time, we literally deconstructed the operations of the organization, this you know this is kind of unheard of. It it doesn't happen in in most well any industry that I'm aware of. Um, we we built up the organization, then we we spun off, created a foundation where all of my BD team and corp dev team left and went to work in the foundation. We gifted the foundation uh, a bunch of cryptocurrency, our cryptocurrency, the hbar and the foundation then has its own CEO, its own staff, uh, completely independent of us. We don't hold a board seat with the foundation. The gift was, was you know a, a gift, and then we're, we cut them loose. And then we did it again with a different organization in Switzerland. So in the United States, we have the HBAR Foundation. In Switzerland, we have the Hashgraph Association. Similar situation, there's an academic organization that's doing that now as well. Uh, it's the DLT Science Foundation that includes the council members that are that are universities on our council and, and others as well. And then finally, operations. So what was left inside of Adara, engineering, product management, uh, dev, DevOps, back office functions, all of that, we spun out into another organization called Swirlds Labs, including me and Lehman. And, and so Lehman and I and the rest of operations moved over to Swirlds Labs. And now Hedera exists as a council of these organizations that run everything by committee. It's got a treasury, and it's it's not much more than that. There's a staff that manages the operations, council operations, and and finance and, and that sort of thing think of it as a cross between uh, a, a standards body as well as a network uh, that is operated by by these council members and Swirls Labs where we are today builds the software under contract does you know provide services to Hedera under contract and then Sworld's is going to go on and and build other products and services that are complementary and supportive of the larger Hedera ecosystem, but it's a you know it's a very unusual uh, play here. It, it, and the the central thesis of it all was that while centralized organizations are certainly more efficient, and uh, you you know you can move faster at maturity, the belief is that decentralized ecosystems. Of organizations are far more robust and resilient to whatever might come in the market. And and now we're seeing that play out, right? We're we're seeing the growth of this Hedera ecosystem explode as a result of decentralizing all of these functions into multiple organizations, each of which are autonomous and have the ability and capacity to go build the ecosystem. and it's worked, you know. We we've uh, you know we've very quickly gone from zero to a multi billion dollar organization using this this approach.
0: And while we're talking about money, how did you guys go about really raising the money, you know, for this incredible and also unique structure that you guys have put together? What was that process like? And then also, how much how much have you guys raised in total to date?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so. Before we announced Hedera, the organization, we really promoted Hashgraph, the consensus algorithm. So, you know, this was back in the 2017 timeframe when blockchain, the hype, if you look at the Gartner hype cycle, blockchain was just, you know, roaring in terms of, of the hype associated with blockchain. And we, we had a superior technology in Hashgraph. And, and so we really talked a lot, for about six months, talked a lot about Hashgraph and the promise of Hashgraph without ever saying how we were going to use it. And then in the spring of 2018, we decided let's have a big event where we, we really tell the world, Okay. We have Hashgraph, you've been waiting, here's now what we're gonna do with it. And we we rented out the PlayStation Theater uh, on Broadway in Manhattan and decided we were going to have an event. And I, I remember it very well, within just a couple of hours of opening uh, ticket sales for the, the theater, it was completely sold out, right? just completely sold out in record time. And then we decided, okay, we're going to live cast this, live stream this uh, as well. We went into the event prepared to talk about all of our plans and and introduce Hedera to the world and, and the governance model and the whole vision, right? The entire vision for what Hedera is today. We actually did write down and put together in a white paper before we held this event in preparation for the event we we released the white paper the same night as the event and then the online accounts the the number of people watching it online just began to skyrocket we we bought enough seats i think we bought 5000 seats online for the event and we hit it in just minutes and through the evening we surged to nearly 80,000 people watching this on a global basis so we we had an entire global uh you know audience um with with the packed playstation theater there on broadway and and we announced to the world the vision for for Hedera and it just resonated right everybody just everybody loved it and so we went on a roadshow. road show we and immediately went on a global road show uh all over asia all over europe and the us and, um, we were able to, to raise the funds that were necessary to kick off and, and run the project. And that, you know, over the course of, I don't know, three or four months, something like that, we raised $124 million pretty easily at a great valuation. And, uh, that kicked it all off. And then, you know, subsequently we've, We've released the token. We we have it. We floated the token, right? You have a token that's associated with the project, and the token went live in 2019. I don't know the total amount that has been raised for the project since then, uh, but I what I do remember specifically is that before that point, we very quickly raised 124 million dollars.
0: So let's say you were talking about vision there, and obviously that's you know why you were able to get the investors you know to to come in so quickly and so easily as you were saying, which is remarkable. Imagine if you were to go to sleep tonight, Mans, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Hedera is fully realized. What does that world look like?
1: Oh, look, um, I think that we will realize that vision, and it's a world that is fully tokenized. We will live in a tokenized world. And when I say that, what I mean by that, you know, many of your listeners will obviously know about NFTs and and a lot of them will know about crypto. But that's the tip of the iceberg. When we think about, as an example, let's just take a supply chain uh, use case as an example. You have some uh, large organization that is, building, producing, manufacturing, I should say, sneakers. You have raw materials flowing into the supply chain. Those raw materials will have associated digital twins, associated tokens. Those tokens then get combined when the tennis shoes get manufactured. The tennis shoes have a token associated with them. Those, as the product flows through the supply chain, there are natural points where you take the tokens associated with the sneakers a lot of sneakers, and you in real time with the workflow, in the in the normal workflow, you exchange those tokens for working capital using DeFi, the decentralized finance stack. And, and that's all using stable coins and the tokens, and it's all programmatic. It just happens. And then later, you use the tokens uh, to, to purchase product insurance or shipping insurance. And then finally, you deliver the lot of sneakers to a distributor, and the distributor pays you a, an account. You get a, an accounts receivable from the distributor, and that has a token associated with it. What do you do with that token? That AR in token form. Again, you go back to the DeFi stack and you factor it. You you get working capital. You know by by selling that token associated with the accounts receivable for. Stable coins that you turn into fiat and you fund operations, right? Every single thing that you see and touch, everything that has any value associated with it, is going to have a token associated with it. We're going to live in a tokenized world, and Hedera is enabling all of that. So at maturity, Hedera is the platform for a tokenized universe.
0: I love it. Now, You've been at it for a while as an entrepreneur, man. So let's say put you into a time machine here. Let's put you into a time machine and bring you back in time. Let's say back in time to the late 90s where you were thinking about building something of your own. Now let's say you had the opportunity of having a chat with that younger man's and being able to give that younger man's one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now?
1: Well, that's a great question. The most important thing, well, I don't know if it's the most important thing, certainly an important thing is to never be rash. Never make decisions, important decisions, when you're tired or when you're stressed or in the heat of the moment. There are a lot of times where. you know, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur, when there is a lot of pressure, there is a lot of stress, and there's the opportunity to be expedient in ways that perhaps are not uh, most advantageous for the long term. Now, fortunately, uh, with Hedera, I don't think that we've made that mistake. So we've taken a very long view with Hedera from the beginning, uh, but you know, as an early entrepreneur, there are times when you just don't have the the experience to 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 know. You got to take a step back and and you got to rest, sleep, get advice from those that have been there and done that before pulling the trigger on on major decisions. And so that more the other thing is to assume that you. Assume that you're you're probably not the right person to answer the question, <laughs> right? You really need. I'm a big believer in surrounding yourself with really good expertise, and I practice. I very much practice what a lot of the world will call servant leadership, and what I mean by that, I, you know, everybody defines it slightly differently. What I mean by that is that I view my role as the CEO as not necessarily the one to come up with all the answers. In fact, I normally am not the one to come up with all the answers, but rather hire the very best talent and then remove the roadblocks to their success. I'm the one that tries to fix the problems and and remove the the friction just so that those that are working for me can do their jobs. And if you trust their judgment as the experts and you enable them to do the jobs they've been hired to do, and you knock down the walls so that they can do them, then you have the benefit of the team and the team is all important. I appreciate what that means today in a fundamentally different way than I did back in in 1998. So, so, So that's it.
0: That's very, very profound, Mance. So for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so?
1: Mance at swirlslabs.com is fine. I, I have an assistant that can help with uh you know with with the inflow, but that but that is the email address. And uh, that's probably the the most direct approach.
0: Easy enough. Mans. thank you so much for being on the DealMaker show today. It has been an honor to have you with us.